Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Plot Twist Design Business Podcast. My name is Kelly Collier. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jeff McQueen of McQueen Building Company. Stay tuned and let's get started. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Good. Did you have a crazy Monday like I did? <laughs> Oddly <laughs> enough, I, I I didn't actually today, which is a little odd. And I'm uh, looking, I'm kind of ducking to see what's coming around the corner. But no, it's been very good. So thanks for asking. Oh, that's great. Okay. Well, I know we have a lot to talk about. So before we get started on the questions, I just wanted to pause so you can have an opportunity to introduce yourself. Sure. So my name is Jeff McQueen and my wife, Christine, and I, we own and operate a design build construction firm here in Pittsburgh. And uh, the name of it is McQueen Building Company. Awesome. Okay. And if you could, let's get started about just a little bit about your journey. If you could share with us how the journey began for the construction and design business. Sure. Uh we're, we're a slightly unconventional outfit here in that we, um, and you'll learn this throughout this interview, I'm sure, that we um, approach all of our construction projects from the design side. So I, I actually started on the design side myself. Um, I'll back up a little bit. When I was seven, I remember asking my parents for a drafting table for for Christmas, which I don't think you probably met oh, wow. a lot of seven-year-olds that asked for that. But my no. uncle was an architect, still is. I looked up to him very much and I wanted to be just like him. I got a drafting table and a bunch of tools from him. And um, I was drawing houses and designing homes when I was you know, seven years old. And uh, I went to college initially for architecture. Um, I met a girl and I realized that I would be in the uh, basement of this um, school building stick figure homes and not spending time with her. So I actually left architecture uh, to be able to spend more time with her, which is not the best story, but uh, I ended up ma uh, majoring at the time in English. And um, my first job out of school was actually as a draftsman for a, a high-end uh, residential kitchen and bath and, and, and millwork outfit. So uh, right out of school, I went right back to what I loved the most and was drawing in CAD and designing for um, really nice kitchens and baths. Actually, this was down in Florida. So the first 17 years of my career were spent in um, kitchens, baths, uh, restaurants, bars, judges' chambers, anything that anything that had wood. Um, mm -hmm. So millwork was my background in um, rearranging homes and layouts and designing um, spaces and renovating spaces became kind of my niche. Um, I love to see um, I love to see a space, how it currently is configured and how it doesn't meet somebody's needs and how we can, with just a tweak here or a tweak there, we can make some pretty drastic improvements without um, starting completely over. And so I've mm -hmm. taken that with me uh, to to the construction side. So if, um, a number of years ago, after I got out of the, the design side, a friend of mine uh, was was um, kind of starting a, a construction company, asked me to come on and help him get things going. And I, I became the vice president of that company learned a lot about operations, construction, bidding, estimating all of the various phases, um, knowing that eventually we wanted to start our own. 
and marry the two and hence the design build aspect for McQueen McQueen Building Company. But yeah, my background is mostly entirely in design. Wow, that's interesting because I honestly would not have guessed that. And so that leads me to a question about your wife, Christine. Yeah. So did she go to school for design as well? So no, she didn't go to uh, to school for design. And while she leads those efforts, we do have interior designers and we also have um, draftsmen on, on hand. So she is, her background um, is primarily in, in engaging with the clients, explaining the process. And honestly, people just like her. <laughs> so she, <laughs> that's always a good she, thing. Exactly. Yeah. They like, <laughs> they like her more than me. I think after so many years with customers, <laughs> it's, I've gotten a little crusty and she's a breath of fresh air plus, um, and not to be, you know, sexist or anything, but most of our clients are women and it's nice to have a woman to guide them and hold their hand through the process. My wife has an amazing eye. Um, mm-hmm. she has a calming effect on, on the process, as you know, in construction, especially it's, um, it can be nerve wracking. And so I think her genuine heart for people to wanting to make them happy and have a good experience is really her forte. And yes, she does have a great eye, but no formal training. Okay. But that sounds like the best combination because in this business, you do have to be a people person. Yeah. I mean, to a degree it's part it's partly sales to be honest i mean in the beginning when you're trying you know at a so great i mean you know this but just saying it i say partly because some people really don't look at it that way but it really is um from the time of a discovery call to a consultation so um you kind of you kind of already answered my second question a little bit but i wanted to ask you a little bit about your process and how it works, like which side drives the project um, from consultation to planning. But yeah. it sounds like you you said design. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, every customer is like, a, you know, you I think when we when we're in this business, like we've been for so long. Right, Kelly, like you get to you start to think that you, you know it all <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and that's dangerous. And so um, our process isn't always the same for every client. So I think that what is the same is you mentioned the discovery call. We definitely take mm-hmm. that first call. My wife usually handles that first touch with the client. She's a, mm-hmm. a really good listener and she can put a lot of, um, she can express a lot of empathy for the client in the dilemma that they present, right? That they all have a problem and that's why they've called us. So she's mm-hmm. really good at that. But the next step is um, she goes out and meets with them. We try very hard not to give numbers over the phone. You. that's dangerous we also try not to give numbers in person um we want Mm -hmm. to that just that that in-person consultation is an interview and it's both ways and we explain that i'm interviewing Mm -hmm. you and you're interviewing me and we both it's a chess match that we both want to win and we both can win so Mm -hmm. she goes to the consultation and from there we decide or you know we um explain our next step and the next step for us is a design and pre-construction contract and what we do is we charge a very broad number based on the size of the project and what we think it's going to be at the meeting she might give them a ten thousand foot view of the budget like hey you're doing all three floors in your basement in this seven hundred thousand dollar home it's going to cost you a bit i hope you don't have a twenty five thousand dollar budget kind of thing a feeler right Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but if we're pretty aligned on the high level 10,000 foot view budget, she'll explain the next step. And that next step is we do a design and pre-construction contract. They're going to get an itemized line itemed 
proposal and we do things very different. We do an open book proposal. It's very, very um, transparent. I want them to see exactly how much I spend and it, or it costs me and how much it costs them. We believe in that full transparency. Again, back to we, we exist to um, change the client experience in dealing with general contractors. We want them to have a good experience. It's an, in, it's an incredible investment. We're passionate mm-hmm. about it and they should not be um, fighting with their contractor the entire time. And you do that by being vulnerable and honest. So we, we give them a, a full bid that is line items down to the drywall screws and tape. Um, materials and labor and we also give them the full design services all of the selections and they they own it they pay for it they buy it they own it if they choose us to do the construction we credit a portion towards the job as a way of uh, in some ways enticing them but also trying to earn their um, earn their business but also have them have a little bit of skin in the game so that that's our process mm-hmm. and we do attack everything generally from the uh, from the design portion first okay that sounds it sounds like a well-oiled machine honestly just listening to you talk through it it makes perfect sense and so that said so i know you have interior designers on you know as a part of your business that work with you and 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 everything so my question next that i was thinking about is do you ever cross over into each other's lane so once the design concept is done i guess by the interior designer then you with your experience in architecture and construction do you ever butt heads with your planning and how do you navigate through it that's such a funny question um (laughs) i'll tell you why it's funny so in previous positions prior to being the owner uh or the ceo uh butt heads yeah potentially for sure um now it's different because as i i have to be very careful now with what i say because when i say things um my staff will just do it and I'm not used to that. Mm. I don't want them to just do it. I want to. I want them to think, and you know. So I'm not butting heads so much as I'm challenging them to to think. So yes, we do cross over all the time. Um, more so due to budget constraints or lead times for materials, especially now, like during the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. I have a goal, and that is like I, I'm the CEO. So my main my main mission is to make sure the cash flow is there, the projects are loaded well. We have the people and the you know the tools to do the job and we can be profitable so when i'm looking at for example the first step is to do a quick design board for the client and we want to get uh, a feel for their likes and dislikes right mm-hmm. don't put something on there that we that the budget can't afford like we've already had this high level discussion you have two hundred thousand dollars i don't need a, a 2500 dollars light fixture in the bathroom over the over the powder bath vanity right like Right. I can't do that. So don't put that in the design board. And then they're going to come back later. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking for problems. So do we have, do we cross over all the time? Um, but because we're under one roof and we work so closely together in pre-construction and design and estimating, like we resolve the matters really fast and we meet all the time. Like we're always, okay. they're all, they're all, we, I look at it as each like design, construction, estimating, they're all the same thing. They're like different sides mm-hmm. of the same coin and they're all just as important. They just have to be harmonious. So yeah, we do butt heads, but I, again, being under one roof, I think that's the uh, the beauty. You're gonna probably wanna talk a little bit about you know working with designers outside of here. And I'm sure you've encountered that with contractors yourself. That's the hardest part. Mm, it, I would think so because you know I'm gonna get there because <laughs> those of us who are what I like to call a solopreneur uh-huh. or you know, newer to the industry, a couple years in to five years in, maybe just getting our footing. 
Um, we've probably been through a couple contractors and I've already dealt with a couple, but that is a big challenge. And so it sounds to me like the situation in your business is just dreamy because you obviously don't have that issue. But um, so for us, it is a challenge to kind of like vet and bid and then know how, how the contractor is going to work. And then you're working with kind of a stranger who doesn't know your work style. And then if you have to manage the project, on a design side. It's almost like managing somebody's work that you are so unfamiliar with. So that leads me to another question. Um, do you ever work with interior designers outside of your firm? Yeah, not regularly. Um, and it's something that I'm trying to figure out how to do since we do design work ourselves. Um, it's somewhat of a dilemma. So I think it's hard for other designers to partner with us um, and I'm putting I'm kind of putting thoughts together as I as I answer this. Like, um, I think they want to have they want to control the relationship with the client, which is completely fine by us, but can mm -hmm. sometimes turn into maybe a duplication of efforts or things maybe getting messy with blending two different processes as a designer has their process and their way of controlling, if you will. And I don't use that in a bad way, but mm -hmm. controlling the project and the outcomes, and then us needing to control the outcomes that suit us. And unfortunately, I will say it, we we haven't figured that one out yet. Um, I wish I had a better answer for you. I know that's not good for your listeners, but it but it, it does pose a really good question, I think, for designers and contractors is why, why doesn't it and what what's needed? And honestly, we're on a mission to figure that out. No, but it's it is actually a good it's a thought because, you know, people in your area, they just may want to know sometimes if they could work with you without necessarily working for you as a designer. Um, and I think also the attraction for me would be, well, that's easy because they work with interior designers all the time. So I know I'm going to have a good experience working with yep. a contractor. You know what yep. I mean? Yeah. Um, someone in your firm. So that's just what I would think. Um, but. The next question might be a little harder, or I don't know, you might have to look back into your um, earlier <laughs> days, but <laughs> what would you say has been or is your biggest challenge on a construction side of things? Nope, it doesn't take long to figure that one out. Um, <laughs> okay. and, and this one's gonna speak to the business side of it, but cash flow management, speaking really broad and on a very high level, cash flow management. Mm -hmm. And those issues are evident. I'm gonna speak to the designers for a minute. You can. You can, uh, you can pinpoint the contractors that have trouble with cash when they have this incessant need to start a lot of projects but don't necessarily keep up with their schedule. Mm. And that's a surefire indication that they're not managing their money very well. Another indication that they're not managing their money very well is maybe exorbitant de um, deposits on jobs, which we don't believe in again we started the business from the design side to try to um think about hiring a contractor from a homeowner's or a client's perspective they don't trust me they don't know me most experiences they have or their family or friends have had have all been bad so they come they come to me already i have a huge hill to climb when we first mm -hmm. meet a customer i get it not not nearly the hill that a designer has to climb but a but a contractor we have a massive hill to climb. Mm. So 
from a designer speaking to a designer the biggest challenge in construction is always going to be cash flow and that will dictate a lot of their actions so be careful that's all i'm saying there's a lot of ways okay. to, 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 to there are a lot of indicators that a contractor is struggling and that will affect your job so cash flow all day that's the biggest one yeah that that is something that i've talked about with several other designers and how you know you can always tell by the deposit but also if they're worried about their next payment yep. and you know sometimes it's it's refreshing when when a contractor says i don't need anything till i'm done um yeah, so that's something that i that i kind of like yeah I, and i think when you go to get your car repaired you know they don't you're not gonna you're gonna pay when you pick it up but they've done the work mm-hmm. right you know and it's that the, makes sense. same thing with us we have a lot of work to do to prove that we're worth and just because i say i'm done doesn't necessarily mean it's done it just means i want to get paid you you know having inspections and permits and doing things the right way and doing the work before charging for it says a lot about the contractor yeah it, it sounds like it um and so for your services i know you mentioned how you start on the design side and then your clients seem to kind of have an option whether to go forward or take the service they receive so um the bulk of your clients do they generally go forward and use both almost a hundred percent and the reason for that is we use the design process to gain their trust and they have some skin in the game having paid a pretty good number for that design and pre-construction contract i think the two kind of tip the scales for us so i i'd say i'd say 95 out of 100 yeah for sure both okay that's great Mm -hmm. and so um do you all do design do you do i know before you mentioned you did commercial as well as residential so right now are you still heavier on one side or the other or do you have a good mix of both um we are almost entirely residential we only market to the residential right now primarily um because of the pandemic, the commercial work has almost all but disappeared. Um, we, we mm. as I say that, I, we just sent a bid out for a, a commercial fit out today, but it, they're few and far between. So I'd say for the most part, we're almost entirely residential. I don't necessarily know if I want that to stay that way, but right now you kind of have to go where the where the work is, right? That's true. Yep. That's very true. Yep. And so speaking of the pandemic. How has your business uh, done this year? How were you able to, you know, pivot mm. through the pandemic? Yeah, that's a heavy subject. Um, in March, I had I had to make a decision, and it just so happened to coincide with our governor's um, decision to close things down. About two hours before he came out on March nineteenth and closed the whole state down, um, I laid off the wow. entire company. We had everybody was laid off um so that they could my reasoning behind it and i was talking to my team through this i wanted to give them advanced notice so they had access to unemployment fast because i knew i knew that the unemployment was going to get hit hard um and i wanted them to be mm. you know, first in line so to speak after that mm-hmm. after that devastating call with the team two hours later the governor shut the whole state down so we were affected pretty horribly during the shutdown because um all of our work was stopped and i had a house in the city with no roof on it i needed like two days to cover it and i couldn't cover it Mm -hmm. and it rained for i don't know you're in philly so but it it Mm -hmm. rained in this state for like six of the eight weeks we were shut down um so that that was pretty tough um not knowing 
anything, which I don't know that I know more now, but <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> right. we, we had no income for, for eight to 10 weeks. That wow. um, was the low. The high, we grew 40% over last year with those two months down because after COVID, the boom in residential construction and remodeling has been, I've never seen anything like it. And wow. so, yeah, we grew a lot. Um, we've grown well and smart and slow, but steady. And so we've had a remarkable low and an even higher high. So it's been a very erratic moody year <laughs> mm-hmm. it has yeah. it has for sure but it's nice to hear such a great silver lining yeah. um for the outcome because the consensus across the industry seems to be that everybody had this amazing year um better than last year oh, yeah. i know i certainly did Good. um and i did actually more virtual e-design during the quarantine so do you or prior to this all happening did you ever offer virtual services or do you now? We didn't then. We don't now. Um, I think that's more of a uh, not wanting to re- not not wanting to reinvent myself and maybe not being as creative okay. as I could have been. We did. I think we explored it. We tried it. We threw it out on social as an idea. We never really had any. We never really had any takers from it. Um, I know this isn't an interview for you, but how did that go for you? Well, it went pretty well because I always did from the beginning um, offer virtual design. But what I I think what helped me was that when I realized we were going to be on quarantine and I was like, okay, my business bills are going to be due. um, I ran a special. I I put a flyer in my stories and I think it was literally 50 percent off uh, virtual design. And I immediately had like three clients back to back. Wow. So it kind of worked out um, that way. But I think that people at that time who really wanted to do something in their home, you know, probably were more willing to take the chance um, because only one was like out of state. I literally had one client all the way from Virginia who I did the e-design for, which so it was a good experience. um, And it just taught me that I need to continue to offer it because you just don't know. Has that been common Um, in the industry? that you've spoken to? The, to do yeah. virtual or it doesn't oh, yeah. okay, cool. yes it was yeah quite a few people um posted and shared that they were doing you know more e-design than ever oh that's awesome um, now maybe i should yeah and they yeah and they offered it prior to the pandemic but they were saying you know the surge of course was because of the pandemic right. that they started getting more of the e-design projects um so um Pretty interesting. It, it definitely has been a lot of things learned this year, oh, yeah. uh, for I think a lot yeah. of us. Um, so I just want to switch gears a little bit here and ask you about the family aspect of the business because having a, a pretty big family that you have with your wife, how is that for you running the business? You know, with as a husband and wife. Uh, because she's gonna hear this, I'm gonna say. I don't balance it at all. She does. <laughs> um, okay. She is, she's unbelievable. So we have four children. We have three girls and a boy all under the age of 11. And my wow. wife is also a surrogate twice between the two sets of Irish twins that we have. Um, oh, wow. And she is, um, 
she has more energy and sustainability than any human being I've ever met. Um, between, you know, getting them ready for school in the morning, which is a shared effort, but getting them on the bus, making sure they remember everything, make sure they remember their mask, they have clean masks. That's it's a whole new, you mentioned learning experiences. It's all across the board, right? Um, yeah. And then, and then getting out, she's able to get more done in less time because she doesn't have the time than I could ever dream of. Um, So the true answer is we balance it because my wife is a machine and she's really, really good. (laughs) And to her credit, she gets a nap every once in a while and I I don't, but she needs it and deserves it. Um, But I will say, while I say that, I'm speaking to you while I brought my daughter here to work on English homework and she's a couple of rooms over here at the office. So it is a shared effort. Wow. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like it. So I commend I commend you. you both because um, I've actually said to a couple of people, and I only have one uh, child, but who's an, who's a young adult now. But I, I've said to a lot of people, I don't know how you're doing this with um, you know a family because it has to be a lot. It has to be pretty taxing. You know what's funny, Kelly? Um, In about ten years, when mm-hmm. they're all gone from the house, I'll look back mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll I'll say the same thing. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you will. <laughs> yep, you just do it. And so that's a good yeah. thing. Um the other thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, back to the construction yeah. and tradesmen aspect of it all. So a lot of us feel that as designers and you know, interior stylists, we all on our side feel like it's easier and better to deal with a tradesman who specializes in a certain thing, like uh someone who specializes in tile or you know sheetrock whatever that is do you feel the same way about that that is so funny um no (laughs) Uh, no and and, and i don't know if this is helpful i'll tell you my experience so i i would i would approach those two uh the contractors and tradesmen extremely different um i would tend to approach gcs instead of individual tradesmen um as if if the if the designer doesn't want to become a project manager because as soon as you hire tradesmen, you're scheduling them and you're responsible for telling the homeowner why they didn't show up that day. You're responsible for um, listening to their excuses. I'm not I'm not trying to make all tradesmen sound bad, but they have a business to run too. Mm-hmm. And you're, they're not on your payroll. So yes, you're, you're paying them or you're referring work to them, but they have other work too and you can't control it. So a GC will allow the designer to scale their business more efficiently as a designer not a project manager um as the gc will be able to handle all of the trades the scheduling the liability and limiting the conversations with the designer to one person instead of each and every trade so i think it's a balancing act and a designer needs to figure out how involved they want to be because if you're hiring tradesmen you might as well you might as well get your home improvement contractor license and become a a general contractor and do what i'm doing and that's exactly why Mm. i'm doing what i'm doing we're a contractor because uh, I don't want, I would rather be the project manager and completely solely responsible for the project. I'm gonna mark up all of their work. I'm gonna be fully responsible for them. I'm gonna control the schedule and the communication and the liability and the insurance and all that. So it's, it's honestly, this is probably the most important talking point is deciding if the designer mm-hmm. wants to be a designer or do they wanna be a project manager and a, and a general contractor. Because if you don't want to be wow. a general contractor, then 
don't hire tradesmen. I know you might have a great wallpaper guy or you might have a good flooring guy or a good painter. There's no reason why you can't mm-hmm. do that, but you should be charging for it. And I, and I hope designers are because now you're a, now you're a general. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest they spend yeah. time getting to understand. So vetting, interviewing, spending time with general contractors to understand their respect for and appreciation for design. And if you can find a GC who respects the process and the um, implications and the importance of design and you trust them and you like them, you can scale your design business that 10 times better than you can just hiring tradesmen because you're going to end up on the phone emailing. You're going to end up doing not design work when you end up hiring all the tradesmen. <laughs> I know you know exactly right. what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm laughing because I do. And I'm so excited and happy that you just now explained it that way because it's definitely relatable, number one. But number two, designers do charge a project management fee when there is a contractor involved. Um, And I think it's important for prospective clients who may listen to our podcast um, conversation to know that because of everything you just said. Um, And it's important also because I think our fear, and I'll speak for myself, but my fear is always, well, if I bring in a tradesman and they don't do a good job or they don't show up on time, that's now a reflection on Plattsworth design. Yep. Right? So that's that's a a fear factor because you, like you said, you can't control their schedule or if they wake up and call out sick, you just can't control none of it. And you can't control um, the blemish on your record when that happens. Right. So there's a lot of risk involved in general, just dealing with <laughs> having to have, because we can't really execute all of our projects without yep. you. So we're really in a vulnerable position because of that, obviously. And then, you know, there are some of us who um, may do certain things themselves, but honestly, I've, I hung wallpaper oh, <laughs> in my middle room. Let me tell you, I I did it for the first time. I did a one-room challenge project during quarantine. And it took me days to wallpaper the oh, whole room. And it was ju- and it was just self-adhesive wallpaper. It wasn't anything um elaborate with the sizing you know, and all that. Yep. That you have to Right. Well, it was because it was a continuous pattern, but I bring that up just to say it literally took me days and hours to do it. So I would never do that no way. for a client. You can't make myself. any money. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't. <laughs> so it's just one of those things where this this part of the conversation is really, really important because we also often talk about how in the design industry, 80 percent of it is business and like 20 percent is design yep. work. But I think what you just said would cut it down to probably 5 percent being design work, 15 um, percent being project manager and then the 80 percent running the business and they're all important i'm just saying if you want a shortcut to doing what you love the most mm -hmm. what got you into this whole business to begin with which is design Mm -hmm. find like vet interview and spend time with and find a good general contractor who respects you Mm -hmm. and understands speaks your language and values what you have to offer then let them do what mm-hmm. they do best so you can do what you do best. You'll end up with a much bigger, better, happier design business, period. Yeah, that that's great advice. Um, and just what it is, it's invaluable. And so with that said, do you have any 
other tips or, you know, any other advice you can think of that you can offer um, designers? That is such a great question. I think first impressions mean everything. And if your gut tells you this is not a good contractor, your client's probably thinking the same thing. So don't be don't be willing to settle. I, and I, I know that's hard to say. Be will. I have a I have a good friend in town who's a designer. She's very good. And before I met her, she um, didn't refer contractors. She did just design work. And because of that, she built a really strong reputation for design. And she drew the line with the construction aspect. She designed. She drew a line with the execution until she was comfortable and knew who she was using for exactly what trade and she took her time i'd say slow down and don't worry as much about the execution of the design i know that's the sexy part right that you want the photos you want the photos (laughs) to put it on stories you want to but if you can slow yourself down and spend a lot of time um vetting contractors i say this as a general contractor there's not a lot of good really really good um contractors that understand what you what the value you bring and mm-hmm. i'd say just take your time please mm-hmm. for your sake yeah that's great great advice because i feel like outside of painting an accent wall <laughs> or putting up wallpaper anything else is is it really could be a potential liability for sure um you know with structural changes and the fact that you are uh, an educated architecture you already know um that we we definitely rely on your expertise and contractors and tradesmen to to do these things like tear down a kitchen or open up you know walls and stuff like that so um you won't see me doing anything like <laughs> well, that <laughs> um, not right we now. count on you whether they like it or not we count on you to provide a sustainable happy design that a client's going to love and a lot of these contractors might think they like that uh blue island with the purple perimeter cabinets but you and i both know that's not going to be sustainable (laughs) and they're going to want to rip it out in two years so there's a lot more to that i didn't mean to overgeneralize i'm just saying most contractors don't have a good eye for that and you have an opportunity to bring a a an already vetted um client to the table they should be welcoming designers with open arms and it just doesn't happen that way it's very it's very adversarial and I, I i want to solve that so back to that other question do we work with other designers not yet i'm trying to figure it out i won't quit until we do nice very nice well the only thing i can say is if that ever comes to fruition i wish that we uh-huh. lived closer because <laughs> because seriously because it's definitely a challenge um not even just in philadelphia i've you know, I've got to know um, designers in Florida, um, Baltimore, Maryland, oh, wow. just so many different places that um, are struggling with, you know, finding good tradesmen and good contractors. So um, hopefully this gets better throughout the That's industry. our goal. We're trying to make it better. Yeah, at some point. So I really appreciate everything that you shared today and, you know, the transparency, even down to what you all went through as a business, you know, through this pandemic. And I'm really glad you were able to rebound and still be, you know, just as successful, if not more, like you said. So that's great. Yeah, thank you. 
Sure. And um, I just I don't want to keep you on too long because I know you have to help your daughter <laughs> with her paper. So <laughs> dude is calling you. So I just want to conclude by saying thank you again for taking time out of your schedule and thank Christine sure as well for allowing you to take time out of your schedule. Uh, this I sure evening. will, Kelly. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye bye.